Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.app/breadbox. Today, I am here to give you the assurance that I have not forgotten you. If we want to see the new evangelization become more than just jargon, if we want to see it grow legs and gain traction and change the world, we have got to take seriously our responsibilities as husbands and fathers and especially as sons of God. I want to propose to you then that something that our world is desperately in need of in the midst of this crisis is Catholic Christian masculinity. If you want to be a good father, then bring your children to confession with you. I can't get there unless I become a man of ascesis, a man of asceticism, a man of training. A man not doing penance, a man not disciplined. He's not a man. You guys have upped your game. You know what, guys? I got to say, I, I love this the concept of the show. Warning. The Catholic Man Show is about to begin. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side, so raise your glass. Adam Minahan here sitting with David Niles. We are without one this evening, so it is inevitable that some of our equipment will malfunction throughout this episode. I apologize in advance, but advance, but shout out to Joan Posada. It is her birthday weekend, and thus that is why one is not here. Jim is in the house, though. Thank you, Jim, for being with us, sipping on a little bit of bourbon this evening. We're going to talk about venial sin. We're going to talk about uh, our weekend. Yes. Which will be a lot of fun. I figured that we would do that. And uh, talk a little bit about bourbon. Talk about this man cure that I have today, which is a book, but it's a different type of book. It's not a Catholic book. Um, mm. that if it, is it good? Is it good? Is it a good book? Well, I wouldn't. Then, I think, it's, then it's a Catholic book. <laughs> 
I was starting to say, I was about to say, like, do you think that I would try to promote a bad book? No. What is your I wanted implication to, there? I just didn't want to, I didn't want to give away the, the punchline. You gotcha. Know? Okay. You got to, you got to trap the, trap the victim before you spring the trap. You're the victim and I trapped you. I got you to admit it's a good book. Therefore, it is a Catholic book. AKA, you're wrong. You said, you said it wasn't, but it is. <laughs> okay. I'm going to let you have that. Thank you. No, you can't. It's, oh, yeah. Very kind of you. After I earned it fair and square. Yes. It's like, oh, yeah, your house. I'll let you have that one. Your kids. All right. Well, I'll let you have those. It's very gracious of you. That's a heck of an analogy. Yeah. It's, just, it's already mine. Stop. You can't just let me have it. It's already <laughs> mine. Uh, okay, so I already shouted out, uh, gave a shout-out to Joan for her birthday. Good there. So I want to give a shout-out to Paul Nesbitt, brother of... Brother Paul? Uh, oh. Brother of Father Nesbitt of okay. Clear Creek Abbey. Abbey. Okay. Mm-hmm. Shout-out. What about Paul. Eric Morey? Let's give a shout-out yeah, to I Eric, mean, Eric yeah. Morey, too. I don't know if he listens to the show, but yeah. He, he probably doesn't. However, I did find out that he uh, educates my children. Ah, that's generous of him. Yes, uh, in co-op. He's one of the co-op teachers. Nice. Yes. He's also a good police officer here in the uh, Diocese of Tulsa in Oklahoma, Eastern Oklahoma. Yeah. I like to, I, it, let's refer to all of our police officers not by like their district, but by their diocese. By the diocese. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, had, I, I was ta- telling Luke about, the, about our weekend, and I was saying, saying you know, Father Maury was, was the one who gave us a talk. Awesome talk, by the way. Just We'll talk about that in a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, and he has a brother named Eric. And he's like, yeah, Dad, I know. He teaches me at co-op. And I was like, oh, awesome. Hi, Father Maury. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, we just got back this uh, today, this afternoon, yeah. from Clear Creek Abbey. We, we went on That's a... why I'm so tired. Yeah, he, he is a little tired. I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right, but... I don't even know why. I got plenty of sleep. Mm-hmm. I'm just... I, I don't know, dude. It's one of those, you have to have a vacation from your vacation... Type of yeah. uh, things. When, I, when when Pamela got to the monastery today, to the abbey, she said, "Your eyes are puffy." Really? Yeah, and I don't know. I guess they were. Hmm. So we went to Clear Creek Abbey, uh, Dave and I and Juan, and then probably what, four or five other guys. Uh, David Biddle put there it were, on for there us. There were nine of us total. We were a yeah. fellowship. I know that you don't get that reference because you have never read or watched The Lord of the Rings. Um, so, it, w- Which is, you might go to hell for it. I'm just going to say, definitely purgatory. Okay. Definitely. I mean, well, don't, be, don't even ask, don't even act like that's your opinion, dude. Okay? Because well, it's just going to happen. absolutely hilarious is if, you know, by God's grace and mercy, I make it up to heaven and I'm like floating around. I'm like, J.R.R. Tolkien, what's up, man? And then we end up being best friends. For all of eternity. Well, you'll be best friends with everybody. So if he's there, you will be best friends yeah. with him. Yeah. So I would expect that to happen. That'd be awesome. But first, he will shun you. <laughs> before, before you become best friends. Right. Yes. So you know what's good about the Lord of the Rings? In fact, I was reading it today, actually. This oh, afternoon. Really? I was uh, on Sundays. I did this. I started several months ago. I don't do it every Sunday. But on Sundays, I read the Lord of the Rings to myself. Oh, nice. Uh, just when the... Kids when the kids nap. are at nap slash quiet time, mm-hmm. I sit down by the window and read some Lord of the Rings. Read a, maybe a chapter or two. Of Dude, Lord I of the love Rings. being able to. So okay, so we went on a, on a retreat. Yes, let's do, first say what it is. Clear Creek. What is it? 
It's an abbey. It's a Benedictine monastery, cloistered abbey. They are all about the liturgy, you know, making the liturgy beautiful. They chant. They're all. It's all in Latin. The liturgy is all in Latin. Yeah. Uh, and we had a chance to very, stay very traditional Benedictine. Yes, yeah, so we had a chance to stay like in the monastery. You know, like the, yeah. like not. Yeah, so we had our, a we guest had, house. We had but like cells. In, yeah, cells in the enclosure, not in the enclosure, but in the cloister. Correct. Yes, that's accurate. And so that was it was it was so much fun. We got a chance to eat with them and pray with them and mm-hmm. uh I had a lot of chance to do some reading time, like silence like Yeah. There was a lot of silence, which was exactly what I needed. Right. Uh, it was just amazing and I had a chance to read a lot, which is why we're talking about our topic today on Vino Sin is is due to me reading this this weekend. So I told you that I was going to actually make this my next topic. Uh you know, we talked about but you beat me to it fair and square. Um, so I'm going to let you have that one. <laughs> uh, nice. But I was hoping to go to confession beforehand. You know, that was my plan. I did. I got, uh, I know. I got. I stood you up, though, for the rosary right, to do yeah, that. Right, yeah. That's okay. Um, I got my days mixed up. I thought St. Benedict had it on Thursday. It's Wednesday. Wednesdays. It's Tuesday, Tuesday and Wednesday. It's not Wednesday not and Thursday. Wednesday and Thursday. And right. so. Uh, I ended up just going on Friday evening when we got there, mm-hmm. and the the monk was an, just an incredible confessor. Um, uh, because I had been to confess, you know, I didn't have mortal sin to confess that I knew of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was confessing venial sins, but he took them very seriously. Oh, you good. Know, uh, right. And it just, like, g- you know, gave me some words about, you know, uh, for instance, you know, failing in... Uh, uh, moderation or um, temperance, mm-hmm. you know, and how we debase ourselves by choosing lower goods over higher goods. And he also had the cutest, he's like very old, so he had like this cute French accent. Uh, and that really like made it like, oh, I should really, you know, you, like when an old guy's talking to you, mm-hmm. you just want you listen mm-hmm. to them more, right? Right, and so, right, right. Uh, but anyway, it was like very inspiring. The words that he gave me in the confessional, and it was just this very topic. So I'm glad we're talking about it. Cool. Okay, so uh, we, we haven't even gotten into the drink yet. So we're, we're drinking... Let us discuss. Uh, Bell Mead bourbon. It is a... What's a sour mash? Is that... I mean, is is all whiskey a sour mash? Or is this different because it's a sour mash? It says sour mash on the bottle. Yeah, a lot of them say I don't that. know. I don't know... About the mash, I'm not sure. I don't actually know a lot about the mash. Um, I know, I know the TV show Mash. I know, I the, watched a lot of Mash. Are you talking about Nash? No, you're talking about Mash. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I know more about the finished product. I know more about drinking it than it's I do about it's making a it. Forty-five percent ABV. I'm just, I'm cutting you off. Uh, is what I did. I saw that. Uh, they they basically right now this so the the recipe that they have is apparently older than the Jack Daniels recipe of whiskey. Now, they're trying to to re-get it going again, and so right now they don't have their actual own... Uh, they're farming out a lot of it right now and then yeah. blending it together. I think they have four different types of barrels that they blend together for this, uh, ranging from six to eight years. So it, it's a... I mean, six to eight years is a long time for a bourbon. and Is it? Yeah, I mean, four years typically, boom. Get them out? Get them out there, yeah. Hmm. But so that their goal is is to start... I you had to be five years to be bonded. 
have to be four years to be considered um, whiskey. Oh, I thought it was like 30 days to be considered whiskey. Well, yeah, I, th- I think it's only 30 days because the... It's four years for, for, for something. Anyway. Oh, who's the, the distillery that they they pressure? Cleveland, Cleveland. Cleveland Whiskey. Yeah, they age it in barrels for 30 days so that it can technically be whiskey. Maybe it's bourbon. What are your thoughts, though? But bourbon, bourbon is different. Yeah, maybe it's bourbon. Maybe I'm getting them mixed up. Um, I think it's okay. You can tell that it's a little on the younger side. It's got a little bit more heat, heat to it, a um, little bit of an alcohol burn. Um, but it, it does have, uh, uh, I would say, a medium length finish. Um, not a not a long finish, but it's it's not a short finish. It's. I tell you what, last week's uh, bourbon that we had, the the whiskey or Wyoming whiskey that we had, that was one was a phenomenal, a phenomenal I, bourbon. I just. I forgot about. I've already forgotten about that. I need to go get some of that because it's really because you said it was cheap too, yeah, like thirty. Eight forty bucks. Yeah, man, I'm getting some of that. Uh, but this one's good. This one. Was, How much was this uh, one? This is forty bucks as well. Okay. It, and it was it was one of their. I fell for the employee pick of the month. You know, this okay. was their. You know, which is a lot of times it's like we got to get this off the shelf. Yeah. The, fi- the fish is a week old. We need to push it. Right. Uh, but I still think it's good. It yeah, has, no, it's good. It has a little bit more of a medicinal finish to me. Yeah. That I would prefer, but. You know, it's, I'm not picking it at $40 over the Wyoming whiskey, for right. sure. Right. So yeah. when we get back, we'll, we'll continue talking about Clear Creek and then talking about Vino Sin. One of the Lord's team, the winning side, so raise your glass and cheers to Jesus. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan and the man with so many names, the spinster over here. This segment of the Catholic Man Show is brought to you by the Catholic Woodworker. Go to thecatholicwoodworker.com. TCMS is the promo code. If you're looking for quality, handcrafted rosaries, Catholic Woodworker is where you want to go. Also, they're... Uh, home altars are See, phenomenal. the thing is, we have, we have a thing, but I don't know how to do it like Juan does. I know how to... That's so all. we blacked it out? I nice. know how to get it on the screen. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll go back. There we go. So but, uh, That's it. That's it. There you go. There it was. Uh, th- their home altars, the crucifixes. He's running a bunch of specials of, of uh, bundles of, of rosaries. So if you're looking to get your XS90 men Catholic rosaries or your men's group, your Knights of Columbus group, quality rosaries that are going to last, go to the CatholicWoodworker.com. Right. Your, your local atheist chapter. Yes. Maybe buy them all a rosary. rosary. Yeah. Evangelization. I think they'll love it. Yes. So... <laughs> Anyway, uh, so yeah, so Dave, what was your favorite? So we went together, but it was more of a silent retreat, almost like it wasn't a technically a silent retreat, but just because of yeah. the atmosphere of Clear Creek, so, we, yeah, so it was minimal talking. The, the monks observe what they call the Great Silence, which begins after Matins. Uh, no, I'm sorry, after Mm-mm. Compline. After Compline, Matins is... After Matins, like, at, 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 <laughs> as soon as they wake up, Yeah, as soon starts. as they wake up, we begin, no. yes. Uh, no, and then but, it ends at Prime. Uh, after Prime. After Prime. Yeah, with the conclusion of Prime. So uh, they observe between that time, and they're mostly sleeping. Right. And so, the, you know, they wake up, 
they, they wake up at 4.50 on most days. Matins begins at 5.15. And it goes from 5.15 to 6.15. And at 6.15, they begin lauds. Right. And, six, and lauds goes from 6.15 to 6.30, at which time they begin low mass. Mm-hmm. And low mass goes from 6.30 to 7. So, like, it's not like they have a whole lot of time for chatter, right. okay, in the meantime. Right. Um, but they do observe with, with the great silence. And the, so they ask that of their guests as well. Um, inside the cloister, if you're outside... You know that's okay, but um, so it, it, silence is just also a part of the their atmosphere, know, their lifestyle, their, like, yeah, their way of life. They don't, for the most part, uh, talk. In fact, they do. They observe silence unless they need to speak to each other. You know, in the course of their duty or whatever, um, they have thirty minutes for recreation after lunch, and at which point they may have conversation. Uh, You'd be fun to, to, and and they may have thirty minutes after dinner as well. I'm not. I don't remember. It but. said that on a sign um, in the library. Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with that on their schedule, but um, it seemed like that might be the case. I don't know. What was your uh, biggest takeaway? Like, what did you enjoy the most? You know, um, I had sort of a a dry retreat. I've kind of almost been expecting this um, when I was reading. Uh, discernment of spirits I did it and the, towards the end of the book I did get the impression that the reason that I was reading this book was because I needed to be prepared for uh, and it, it, when I say I had a dry retreat it was it was still a lovely mm-hmm. and plenty of moments of consolation but not like overflowing the whole time and you know mm. like like very often is the case. So, um, but the, what I learned from reading that book was, was very present to me the whole time. Um, and I, I received consolation from like in a different way, just like from the knowledge of being able to say and remember some of the thoughts to realizing what was happening. Exactly. And, and just to know that this is a trial and like, this is, this is a good thing. It's not a bad thing, you know? And so it was, uh, it, it, the whole the whole retreat was good. Just walking away from my cell phone for a while was really good. Mm-hmm. I got to re- I'm reading another book right now, um, which I've mentioned. Uh, he, he leadeth me. He leadeth me. Yes, and that book is just getting super good right now. I'm a little over halfway, and it's just really intense. Nice, really good. Nice. Yeah. It's actually in books. Actually, uh, in book. But right. It's not intense. You're right. But mm-hmm. you could read it in a tent, though. Sure, yeah. If you wanted to, I mean, that would be just fine. It'd be totally acceptable. Or just sitting outside of a tent. Mm-hmm. You could have one foot in a tent. And one foot out. Right. What about you? What's your favorite? So I I really dug the silence. I, I needed the, the decompression. I was There was a lot of things that I have on my list right now of, of prayers. Like, I have a lot of things in my life that are uh, approaching me, big life decisions that are approaching me. And so I know that... I need guidance. I need wisdom. I need uh, to be open to his will. And so I was very eager to get out there just to surrender myself basically to a weekend of just silence, prayer, and being in, in front of the the Blessed Sacrament. Yeah. And so that, that gave me a lot of consolation. I mean, that gave me a lot of consolation. I, it was probably one of my favorite retreats that I've been on, actually. Mm-hmm. As far as, you know... 
I, I've, I've, taken, I've, I've done a Crescio, I've done Axe, I've done a lot of other different types of retreats. All of them are good. For me, in, in my state of life right now, currently, it was probably one of my favorite retreats. Yeah, well, it's not like it was it was a retreat unlike most, where there's not a retreat leader, you're not... Right, we had a know, lot of freedom you, uh, that we could do basically could, whatever we want. You could have just sat in your room the whole time. Sure. I mean, there was... There was no agenda, so sure. um, it was up to everybody. I, I got to do some work with some of them. I mean, that's one of the options when you stay there. Anybody can go and stay there. Mm-hmm. Just send an email. Go to clearcreekabbey.com or something. You can look them up. What if that's, that might not be their website, but you can schedule a, a retreat. If you have young boys, I highly recommend, recommend going. that you do this. Yes, Go with your sons and stay uh, a, a night there. And spend the Saturday maybe, and then maybe go home, you know, after dinner on Saturday. I mean, just do what, I mean, however old your boys are. But um, now that I have a son, like, I am so looking forward to doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, I always love when I, and I see it all the time, uh, a father and a son, you know, in the, in the refectory, you know, eating, mm-hmm. eating with the monks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, even, even just, even if you just did that, you know, go for uh a, a lunch, lunch or dinner. Right, yeah. Show up for, go to high mass, stick around for lunch on a Sunday or something, you know. Yes. It's a, a very formative experience. I always love watching the, and just being with the monks praying. Mm-hmm. You know, the way that they bow. Like, they The ba- reverence. They bow all the way, you know. it's a, they, They're at a 90 degree at the hip when mm-hmm. they bow. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, the reverence with, that they observe in ev- every aspect of the liturgy. There's what, nothing uh, whether they're superfluous. Walk, like, yeah, whether they're just walking to a, a location, you know, they're doing it in tempo, mm-hmm. with reverence, with intentionality, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just great. That actually leads us, uh, it's a great segue. Well, well done. Thank you. Uh, to our man gear today. Which so, is a Catholic book, right? Which is a book. It is not a Catholic book. It is Catholic. It, this is uh, just not about the faith. <laughs> this book is by Stephen Ranella. If you guys have ever watched Meat Eater on Netflix or meat, out, which out, all, all Catholics, TV, all Catholics should eat meat. It's his newest book. He except has, on Friday, except on Friday, he has uh, a new book out. It's called The Meat Eater Guide: uh, Wilderness Skills and Survival. It's really good. I, I actually only got it uh, yesterday, but. So you finished it already? No, but I've I've been skimming through. I had several things that I was wanting to look into, like what he writes in here. Yeah. And uh, this afternoon I was able to go through it, and I'm I'm really enjoying it. It's going to be a a great resource for me. So my boys are getting old enough Mm -hmm. now to where they're going, you know, they're wanting to go hunting. They're wanting to go. What's his take on the incarnation? I do not know. Hmm. For a Catholic book, you'd think he'd cover that. You'd think he would. Um but my boys are, 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 are very active. They're wanting to go uh, hunting now, fishing now. They're wanting to go camping. They're wanting to go uh, be outdoors. And I highly recommend it and, so, uh, and support it. And so there are a lot of times, though, when we go hunting that I'm not sure exactly what I should bring. You know, what are some uh, things that are necessary for me to bring in the event that, oh, something goes wrong and we need to make sure that I have this. It sure would have been nice if I would have had, you know, this paracord or what, whatever it is. And so he gives like the list that he has of here's survival tactics. Here's like what I would bring to 
survival bags is what he calls them, I think. And they're just bags that he's already prepped ahead of time. And he just brings them with him every time he goes camping or hunting or something like that to where he knows this is, this is ready to go. Like, I don't have to be concerned, oh, did I bring this? Did I bring that? He's already prepared for it. It also shows like how the most effective way to um, harvest your the animal that you may have killed to where you have the most uh, get the most meat out of out of the deal. Is this real? Is this any relation to the show Meat Eaters? Yes. I, did you not hear me? You're not. You're, no, I was you're not, not listening. No, I wasn't listening to. You. Yes. Okay. It, it is the okay, guy. Good because I've uh, I've heard that the show is very good. That's what he does. You know, harvesting. And then, you know exactly. I feel like that you just haven't been listening to me for the last. Five minutes. No, I was looking at this book. Yeah. Five minutes is a stretch, but I was not listening to you. Okay. Uh, yes. So I, I don't necessarily recommend meat eater like watching meat eaters with your sons because there is a little bit of language. I mean, you you decide for that, but just fair warning. But hmm. um, it's it's a really good book that's going to help me as a dad feel that I'm pre- I'm going to be prepared in the event that like my sons Luke is going to want to go squirrel hunting soon, and. I'm, we're not going to do squirrel hunting just for the sake of squirrel hunting. If we're going to, you know, if we're going to go hunting, then we're going to harvest the meat. And you know, what's the most effective way to do that? I've never skinned a squirrel before, uh, and it gives step by steps. Here's how you should do that. You ever skinned a smoke wagon? Yes. <laughs> it says in here that you will probably last in a confrontation two minutes against an American black bear, forty-two seconds against a grizzly bear. Wow. It doesn't say that. I made that up. Nice. So it gives a bunch of uh, tactics, like if something happens, you know, it's, uh, medical stuff. If if something happens, here's how you you do it. Here's how you trap things. So if you're looking to as a as a dad trying to get out there, I want to camp. I want to teach my son the outdoors, but I'm not really sure exactly how to go about it. This is an excellent resource. Uh, he just he just got out. I get I think during Christmas. So anyway, I highly recommend it. It's been a, a big help to me already. So. When we get back, we're going to talk about Vino Sin. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Catholic Command Show. We're going to talk about Vino Sin today. Over the course of this weekend at our retreat, I've been reading this book. It's called Knowing the Love of God. It's by Father Reginald Gary Gould Lagrange. The little blurb on it is by Dr. Scott Hahn. I don't know if you guys ever heard of him, but who? Dr. Scott Hahn. He says, I urge you to read this book and learn from a true master of the spiritual life. It's put out by uh, Ignatius Press, and it's just different talks that he's he gave over the course of his life on different on different topics. Lagrange, yeah, uh, Lagrange, yeah, Gary Gould Lagrange. He he died in 1964. Is that a picture of him? Yes, uh, right before or right at the very beginning of uh, the Second Vatican Council, he was uh, highly influenced by. He's a uh, he's a Dominican, so. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas and JP two was a, was a big fan of Gary Gould, Father Gary Gould Lagrange as well, and and pulled a lot of stuff from yeah. him. Well, it so, says he served as the theological advisor to four popes, including Saint John the Twenty Third. Also oversaw the doctrinal work of a man by the name of Carol Wojtyła. Yes, JP two. 
So, Saint, jump all the second. Mucho. So, uh, what I'm going to be pulling tonight uh, on Vino Sin mainly comes out of the, uh, out of this. It's mainly Can I tell his, you his writing. That Garrett Goulagrange said about Vino Sin. Sure. He He's said, bad, okay. <laughs> he said that one venial sin is worse. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna just, <laughs> you're just gonna ruin it, huh? I won't, I'll save it. Okay, I'll save it. So you, okay. you know, Adam told me this earlier Already, today, and, and so <laughs> he, he was just gonna blow it for me. Anyway, so he he he's talking about venial. He's talking about sin. He's specifically about venial sin. He 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 brings up the question of like, do we have this divine hatred for sin? We've talked about before, Dave, how there's a, a tendency or a a trap that you can fall into of glorifying sins of your past. Yeah. You know, where you talk about mm-hmm. your your past sins maybe in, in a glorified right. scenario. Like, yeah. oh, well, I used to do this. You guys don't even know. Yeah, I used let me to tell you how many beers I used to drink. Right. Every or or, or yeah. whatever the whatever it was. And he talks about you know, you know we have to be, have this hate, divine hatred of sin, right? To the point of like, you know, you you just absolutely despise it, mm-hmm. and that's something that I think we, we at least I constantly right. uh, struggle with. And he talks about the difference in, in obviously mortal mortal sin, venial sin. Why don't you give them just a rundown of mortal sin, venial sin for okay. just clarity so purposes? There are three. There are three categories. There are three necessities for a sin to be considered mortal. Um, in the Catholic Church, we distinguish between the two. A mortal sin is one that destroys the um, relationship of charity that you have with God. Mm-hmm. Um, so it destroys, you lose uh, what we refer to as sanctifying grace, which is what you need to get to heaven. If you do not die in a state of grace, is what we'll say, sanctifying grace, then um, then uh, heaven cannot cannot be, be assured. Um well, it could be attained, but it's not assured. The Lord can save who he wants to save. Uh, and the church does not condemn, does not ever say that a person went to hell. Right. Yeah. Right. Not specifically. So even, yeah, yeah. even if it could fill, uh, hypothetically be known, he did not die in a state of uh, grace. Mm-hmm. This church still wouldn't say that he is in hell. Right. Um, but... If you, if you are in a state of sanctifying grace, you can have a reasonable assurance of going to heaven. Um, so the three things the three things that would co- that make a sin uh, mortal would be that it is of grave matter, that you know it is wrong, and you freely choose to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Yes. So if even one of those is missing, then the sin is not mortal. Grave, but uh, potentially grave, but not mortal. Well, it still it still will be grave, a grave sin, but it will not be a mortal sin. Correct. Yeah. And so, uh, unless of course the grave is the thing that's missing of the three, then it would just be intentional true. and free w- and free, right? Yes. So Father Gary Grange gives us an analogy of that how mortal sin is similar to the diseases that strike the body's vital parts, such as like the head or the heart. And how venial sin is similar to the diseases that paralyze the members or organs, not absolutely indispensable to life, such as the eyes or the ears, but something that you, you, you need. Right. Which I think is a, a great analogy if you think about it, because right. sure, venial sin is it, isn't going to maybe attack your heart or, or, your, or your brain, something that you actually absolutely have to have. Right. But it's not fun limping around, you know, no. if it attacks your leg or, or walking or, blind or walking blind. Yeah. 
so he talks about how venial sin is is worse is a worse evil than any physical evil because uh, if our God is an infinite God and we ha- and we do something against an infinite God that is a right. Uh, I mean, there should be uh, levied an infinite penalty, even for the slightest sin. Sin. Because it was committed against an infinite God. Right. And so he says, The smallest venial sin is greater evil than all suffering, all disgraces, all ruins, and all purely physical evils. This is what I was going to say. I was going to say that. Right. And so, like, that, like, to me, just blows my mind. Not that it's not true, but just how sometimes I take venial sin so, so lightly. Right. Especially even if it's intentional venial sin, I take far lighter than, you know, obviously mortal sin, but how grave it really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I know that I have certainly fell into this trap of just, you know, not, it's just venial sin. You know, like, mm-hmm. uh, should I really have a seventh cookie? You know, like. A seventh <laughs> Not, well, I mean, I, seven is a perfect I'm perfect number. Kidding. I mean, so I that's could, a good. That is a. There's a good. If you put seven cookies in front of me and then don't watch, I can absolutely eat seven cookies. Sure. I mean, you, I mean, we're talking fresh chocolate chip, no problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I won't even feel bad. I feel great. Mm-hmm. But um, Jim has some right <laughs> Jim, now. Look at this. Yeah. There are cookies here. My wife bought some. Let me have one. Creek. I want. I want. You will not. Okay. Uh, so. You know, we make light of venial sin. Um, I've certainly, I've, I've even make, made jokes about about it before, you know, and I didn't mean anything bad by making the joke, mm-hmm. but still, it's like one of those, it's like, oh, it's just venial, you know? Right. Uh, and did it get a laugh at the time? Yeah. But it doesn't promote... It'd be flippancy. That would be flippancy. Right, yeah. It's still, there's still something at least disordered. I mean, at least you would have to say it's disordered to make a joke like that. Um, I mean, those are the kinds of things that, at our judgment we will we will just be devastated by. Yeah, I mean, it's like, and there, I imagine there will be um, purgatory time. I mean, for no the, doubt, he talks about it. In in here. He talks to, about because those. I mean, as if venial sin didn't matter or if, if it didn't affect you. And then I think right. that's what Garagu is saying here that um, it still has an effect. On, on the intellect. Yeah, and he actually and on says it's an evil. It's an evil to our intelligence. Right. Because he says a deliberate venial sin is committed by a soul that is consecrated to God. A, a, a deliberate venial sin that is uh, committed by a soul consecrated to God is foolishness. And the Latin word for foolishness is basically the opposite of wisdom. And so he, he talks about how it's actually an evil to our intellect mm-hmm. when we commit sure. uh, venial sin. Uh, and it deprives our soul of this precious grace that you know that God has given us. He's given us uh, all these graces that uh, He wants to help us spread the kingdom of God. You know, give us these graces to help spread His kingdom. And these instant graces that He gives us by committing these venial sins, we shut that door of of those graces. Right. And He talks about this, David. It's amazing. He, he talks about how, and I've fallen into this trap totally. I was reading this, and I thought it was. You know, written for me basically because I was like gosh this, I've, I've done this uh, uh, and he talks about like well I you know maybe I lost that, that grace at that moment but I'll, I'll be able to find I'll be able to get that back uh-huh. you know like I'll be able to to, to, to do something to, to 
to get that opportunity back. And uh, Lagrange actually says, no, the answer is no. You will not ever be able to get that grace back. Uh, you, he says, you'll be... Uh, uh, you will not be able to recover it. This grace, a thousand times more precious than the universe, has been lost forever. Right. Uh, Vinosin limits the sanctifying grace. You can't save grace. Grace, right. Vinosin limits the sanctifying grace, its uh, sanctifying grace, its freedom of action. Vinosin does not destroy charity, but paralyzes it. Uh, paralyzes its action and growth, makes it cold, and hinders its emergence. So it often deprives us of the graces in the future because, right. you, you know, whenever... You're, you're not disposed to receive grace now as, right, as well. exactly. And, you know, when you commit a mortal sin, you're severed from all, uh, you know, the sanctifying grace, and you when you go to confession, you're restored to this sanctifying grace. However, if you were not, if you've not built up these these virtues, if you've not built up uh, built up a home if you a foundation of these theological virtues that can be infused in, in, into you, you, you and, and you continue to commit these venial sins there's there's no way of, of building these up that it it doesn't give it oxygen to be able to live it doesn't give right. anything to be able for it to 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 live and breathe and, and work within you and so even though you are restored to sanctifying grace you're not fully like using utilizing the graces if that, I mean, yeah. Gosh, I bet Augustine probably wouldn't like how no, I, no, I he, phrased that. But he, he would, he would not. Neither, he would not like. Neither would Thomas. Yeah, but hopefully it makes at least sense. Yeah, it makes sense to me. I mean, and so, like, this is. I mean, the, people often think in the beginning of their growth in their spiritual life that that the spiritual battle is against mortal sin, and. Uh, there is a, a a part of the battle that is against mortal sin, mm-hmm. but that is um, the, only the beginning. The real way of perfection is this battle, this battle against venial sin. Right. This is the one that is hard to conquer. Right. And, and, and saints throughout history have said that the spiritual life actually begins when venial sin is conquered, like when you stop sinning venially. Right. right. So when we get back, we'll continue this conversation talking about being a You can't sin. have a spiritual life when you're constantly destroying your relationship with God. Right, exactly. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles. Here with Adam Minahan and Jim Spencer. Thanks for sticking around. To you, I say mucho. That's what I say to you. Grande. Grande mucho. Ooh. Muy grande mucho. Si. So we're talking about venial sin. On the other side of the break, or before the break, we were talking about venial sin. And we were talking about, you know, the importance of the spiritual life being able to grow and the only way that that can happen is when we stop even venially sinning. And he, he makes this, Lagrange makes this very interesting point that I have fallen into time and time again. He says, sometimes repeated venial sins drag us indirectly into mortal sin. Right. We fall into a dangerous, like, stupor of lukewarmness because, like, again, uh, the venial sin just makes us dumber. Like, it just, 
you know, it makes us callous. It makes us not not aware of reality. Right, it makes right. us not aware of of being able to participate in the grace that God wants to give us. Right, because we we're choosing lesser goods. We're, it's prideful. We're choo- we're saying, God, I know that you have y- your will that you want for me, but I don't trust you. I want to do what I want to do. Right. I'm not willing to say no to myself in order to say, say yes, yes to, to you, you, even though I. No. I consciously realize that you are a greater good than the one I'm saying saying yes to. I mean, are cookies a good? Heck, yes. Right. Obviously. Absolutely. I mean, if you don't believe that, then you've never eaten a cookie. Right. But they're not as they're not God, right? I mean, right. Do you think there are cookies in heaven? No. Uh, so, but he says, like uh, the it's, state. You're probably right. Yeah. And such the state of moral sin can even surprise us, and how many times we can commit uh, we can commit it almost without notice. Right. And how many times have at least for me, I know that in my in, in my spiritual life there have been times where I've reflected at the, uh, at the end of the day and been like, "Oh man, I just willingly committed a mortal sin and didn't even think twice about it. You know, didn't even." pay attention to it didn't even give it the time of day i just like moved on and i realized at the end like man why like how how was i how did that happen like i was yeah. i'm surprised like but i'm in trying this case, in this case you're talking about a sin that is mortal like you knew it was mortal at the time right, right, not yeah. to be confused because we, we made the distinction right. earlier not to be confused like no i i, tr- I it's I not like you're it. looking back going Oh, I wonder if that was a mortal no, sin. No, no. I, I look back you and I knew said, it was a mortal sin at the but time. I was like, wow, but I'm surprised but that then I did you that. were, in, in re- reflecting, taken by the flippancy with which you did it. Yeah. Just the casualness just of casualness. the whole thing. Right. Yeah, just casualness. Just, yeah, just doing it. Yeah. And I, I really, I wondered, like, well, how did, like, how did that path happen? Like, how did that snowball take into effect? And a lot of times... Mm. Uh, he, he talks about it in here, like if you are continually having, you know, committing mortal sins, you need you need to make sure to do, uh, uh, you know, examinations of conscience to realize where are the venial sins happening right. that lead you to these mortal sins. Yeah, and and uh, but, uh, yeah. one one thing that Saint Ignatius of Loyola recommends, which I have personally found to be very helpful, I've admittedly fallen out of the habit of doing it, but is a noon day. Um, uh, examination of conscience. Thank you. That's that's what it was. A noon examination and night. So he recommends doing twice a day, one at noon and one, one at, at night. night. And when I was doing that, yeah, it was it was amazing. I should start doing it. I'm gonna. I'll try to start doing that again. Um, because at the end of the day, you look back and you say, ah, oh, this is what I did wrong. I'm gonna try better tomorrow. When you're doing it at noon in the middle of the day, you're saying, oh. This is what I'm doing wrong so far. You say I'm going to do better right now. Right. You know, it's there is a immediate an immediacy to its effect mm-hmm. that I I can, can you sh- take action. I can now. change that right now. I will I will amend my ways now. Mm-hmm. And so it, it instead of just being a, a rear like rearview mirror sort of thing, it's a present exam. It's a more of a present examination. Right. Yeah. Yes. So he talks about also like the ways that we can become because a venial sin just kind of dulls us. It makes us lukewarm about certain things. It makes us you know, just a- apathetic. Right. A lot of times, venial sin. Some of the it causes vices is what it does. Absolutely, it causes vices. And one of the main, like one of the big vices, is just apathy, especially for men. Yeah. He even talks about. He actually mentions that how a lot of men like are succumb to a lot of their. Uh, 
senses. You know, temperance is a, is a really big problem, and it, all it does is it leads them to apathy of everything. Right, and. And so he talks about like, yeah, okay, the, I think the reason we do that is because it's a, um, we don't want to live up to our vocation. Men as men, all men have a vocation as guard, uh, as like a guard, you know? So if there is, if there's something going wrong, it's our responsibility to do something about it. It's our responsibility to, st- to stand up to injustice. You know, mm-hmm. we're the enforcers of virtue in the world. Right. Um, and so the only way that we can, uh, reject that part of all, all men. The vocation of all men is by apathy, where we can it's like, eh, whatever. Right. I, I don't even care. I don't care. It's like Luke, this whole lukewarmness, which God does not yeah. speak very highly of lukewarm. You know, so like I'm like 20 percent Canadian, so like whatever. Right. So uh, one of the things he's, he he gives four I different do, I ways. I don't mean to slight all of our Canadian Listeners. fans out there. Right. Uh, he gives four four ways to escape this lukewarmness. Okay. The first one is a good retreat. Ooh, I know how to do that. Which, which ha- like, that's I what... You know where you should go. It's like, it's like, punch me right in the mouth, right? I was reading this and I was like, I was saying like, yes, I'm doing it. Like a lot of these things I need to, I need to cut out. And then it's like, okay, so how do I do it? And then at the end of the chapter, it was like, here's how you do it. Go on a good retreat. And oh. it's like... Good. Okay, good. I'm better than I realized. He also says, uh, you know, a good spiritual direction, mm-hmm. you know, from a from a spiritual director. But he also emphasizes it doesn't actually have to be a, a a spiritual director, but spiritual direction even from a good close friend that is a holy friend, mm-hmm. uh, you know, fraternal correction, if you will. Okay. And then he says, uh, a lot of times it's just a great, it's just a heavy cross that you bear. Uh, the, what, what is a heavy cross? Uh, being able to, to emerge from this state of lukewarmness. So you God need to will find a heavy no, cross? No, God will, will, will give you a heavy cross so to be bear. Willing, just be willing to... not Okay, because sometimes like sin itself can be a cross. Right? Like it causes great suffering and mm-hmm. it's not one that you... Th- well, a lot of times... In that case, it's not one that you should bear. It's one that you should remove from your life. You know what I mean? Well, the cross would actually be doing the doing the good, like care, like yeah. I mean, I just want to make sure because I didn't read what he was saying. Right, you have a bullet point here, and so right. So, but basically, what he's what he's saying is a lot of times, in order to emerge from this lukewarmness, God will uh, God will embrace the cross. And, yeah, that's yeah. That's carry the, your cross, you know, pick up your cross and okay. follow me. Okay, and the, and then the last the last one he says is like so a lot of times it comes from a, a great humiliation, realizing I am just wrong, and. That's happened to me recently as well. And so it's just like yeah. uh, a lot of times God has to break down the pride because... You're not familiar with the sensation. Right. So, you know, venial sin is caused... More, any sin is caused by, by pride. It's the root of all evil. And it's saying like, no, not thy will be done, but my will be done. Right. And so in order for God to correct that, you know, in order for God to, to bring us back to him, because he's constantly calling to us. He's constantly calling us, uh, you know, to receive his mercy, to receive his grace. In order, sometimes he has to do that, is he has to break down that pride so that you realize there's something greater than me, thus, you know, and it's not me, it's God. Yeah. And so, uh, a lot of times, and uh, Lagrange goes through a lot of, a lot of things in here about how there are a lot of stubborn men out there who... It, that's what it takes in order for the pride to be broken down. This book I'm reading, He Leadeth Me, the, that's exactly what I was just reading about this weekend, is just his experience of learning to abandon himself to the divine to divine providence mm-hmm. and realizing, you know, he's like in solitary confinement being uh, like uh, questioned every day for hours and hours and he realized like, 
oh, don't resist. Just like, just abandon yourself and trust in God's providence. Take care. Of it. I mean, it's it's a very powerful moment in the book. Mm-hmm. It's about the, what well, you're just it, talking about. Yeah, and that's what Lagrange says. He says, "Our Lord uh, has such a desire to pardon all of our sins. Mm, right. He wants to unite, you know, uh, unite our friendship back together. And so we should ask for the grace to be made aware of our venial sins, so that He can grant it. He can grant the mercy uh, towards us. Uh, that's know, that's one thing that." I know I forget to pray about a lot is just that I would be given the grace to overcome my vices. Yes, overcome your and be made aware of your venial sins and to be able to overcome those venial sins. I, I prayed that prayer here recently about one one vice in particular, and the very day I found myself at ease, but that at should, ease in confronting. But that shouldn't that shouldn't be surprised to us because God. I know. You know I mean, it it, it's the way of perfection. God wants. To unite, right. uh, he wants a friendship with us. He wants a, us to be in communion with him. And he, so, he oh, told Saint Faustina, "The greater the sinner, the greater right they he have has to, to my mercy." mercy. He yeah. didn't say like, "Oh, I will be more merciful," but he actually said that they have a, a right to his mercy. And he says that he gives them that right because he is so merciful. Right. Yes. Exactly. So he also talks about the importance of uh, he talks about the importance of friendship. He talks about the importance of being in communion with all of uh, our Catholic brothers and sisters. And he says it's so important for for us men. Uh, he specifically says men uh, to be praying for the other men who are lukewarm or who are sh- even struggling with venial sin that they may. Uh, have a, a, a softened heart to ask for this grace themselves, and so as I was sitting there thinking, like, man, I bet you there was another guy out there who's super, like, way holier than I am, who have been, has been praying that other men are doing this, and hopefully, You're the I take ac- I, hopefully I take action, you yeah. know, and, and this grace that God has given me this weekend to understand some of the things that I've been doing that I need to yeah. cut out. I mean, I used to be out. lukewarm as it gets in college. I mean, I was just. That, that was me, I right? Was lukewarm Niles. <laughs> but uh, you know, even uh, you know, Christ says, "Come to me, all who labor and who are overburdened, and I will give you rest." So, if yep. you're struggling right now, you feel like that you're in a in, in a hole, you can't get out. You go to Christ. Go to the sacrament of confession. Don't, like run, run there, and then ask for for Christ's mercy and ask for the grace to overcome sin, because we're we're made to be per, you know, the perfection is the goal. We'll continue a little bit more on the other side of the break. One of the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Dave, the question that I was going to ask you, though, is your, your, your kids are getting old enough now to where they understand sin. They understand venial and mortal sin. How, yeah. how, are, you, how are you teaching? Well, they, don't, they don't understand mortal sin. I don't, we haven't, I don't think we've covered that. I mean, they're not old. How old is Elizabeth? She's five. Oh, okay. I was thinking for some reason she's like six. She's and, tall. Yeah, she's she she's just she's she tall. looks older yeah. than what than five. She's uh, very mature for her age. She's mature for her age spiritually. She's mature yeah. for her age. She actually she so, is actually super ma- mature spiritually mature. She's done this a couple times. I don't know if I think I mentioned this. She's done it twice. The second time, Mary did it with her. She's just been at the dinner table and said, "I think that I'm going to fast from sweets for a week." She's five, right? Okay. The first time she did it. I was, I kind of, I tried to discourage her a little bit because like, Elizabeth, I, I just didn't want to set up for failure, right? Right. But she was like, no, I want to do it. And it's like, okay. And she did it. Like every day at dinner, she'd say, how many days has it been? It's been three days. Okay. 
And then the next day she'd ask again, how many? And then it's like, and we'd say six days. So tomorrow's the last day. Tomorrow's the last day, you know, and then like, I can't, I couldn't believe it. Like there were times where there's candy. She goes, Oh, I can't have any. Well, she came over to one of my kids' birthday parties and oh, we were having it? cake and ice cream for the birthday that party. That was during that time. Yes. And she goes, I'm sorry. Like I said, like, here, Elizabeth, you know, here, here's your piece of cake and ice cream. She goes, uh, that's okay. I'm, I'm fasting from sweets. <laughs> and I was like, Oh. Yeah, me too. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, then the second time, Mary did it with her. Who was okay, so, three or so, four. So she's mature. She's so mature my question is, is, how are you going to... We've been using the Baltimore Catechism a lot. You know, Luke has you know, already gotten to com- his first, made his first confession in, in communion. How are you going to uh, teach them mortal sin? And, and versus venial sin, like what... How are you going to well, approach I'm, this? So far, I'm, I, I don't know. But so far, what I'm doing, what I do, with varying degrees of success, um, you know, when I'm disciplining them. Discipline. When I'm disciplining them. Disappruning, maybe. Ooh. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, for instance. Father Brian O'Brien hates it when we do that. <laughs> he hates when we do discipline. It's okay. You know, like when people tell me stuff like that, it, my natural encourage- reaction is to do it more. Yeah, it right? encourages you. Yeah. Uh, that's just a little insight into the psychology of... David Niles. David Luke. Shocker for nobody. Luke Wilm Niles. <laughs> um, but, okay, so like, for instance, when, if, if I, one of the trouble, one of the trouble, I'm very tired, I'm sorry. If one of the children gets in trouble for lying, I get onto them and I tell them, uh, you know, Mary, that is a sin, which I don't do other times when they get in trouble. You know, so there are certain things that I emphasize with, like, you're getting in trouble. For, you know, it's not just like, oh, don't hit your sister. Mm-hmm. I mean, hitting your sister is, you know, that's a sin. But it's not like thou shalt. It's, lying is a species of sin that, mm. like, sort of like violence, but, you know, it's just different. Lying is, to me, more corruptive in the soul of a young person than um, an outburst of a passion. You know, and that's, you know, when, when children have passionate outbursts, uh, it's just part of being a child and learning to master. You just need to correct the behavior more so than inform the intellect. They already know not to, you sure. know what I'm saying? Sure, sure, sure. But with lying... I I typically take a, an extra step of emphasizing like that lying is a sin mm-hmm. and it's terrible. So I do stuff like that to hopefully emphasize and so that they get a, a good groundwork of you know the the ugliness and the the terribleness of sin. When it's time, we'll create distinctions. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, what are you doing? Well, I like. Well, you have you have a. I mean, Luke. Or he's you know got to receive. He goes to he's received his first communion. Or he goes to confession. Yes. So one thing that I do, I I, I try to do more often. Or I need to do more often, but I I, I do is make it have a prayer guarding my children from their first mortal sin. Mm-hmm. Asking our Lord to guard guard them from their first mortal sin. I think that every like St. Bridget prayer. 
Well, St. Bridget Prayer has one. Yeah, there's another one also, that I think, that is uh, from St. Jo- like, through St. Joseph. Hmm. Um, okay. But it's very similar to the St. Bridget Prayer. Mm-hmm. And so I I would like to continue doing that. So I, I but I, I used, excuse me, I used the Baltimore Catechism because it, it just lays it out very well. Right. Um, and, and it gives uh, pictures and it shows him, like, and I just walked through it with him and to to be able to for him to understand uh the severity of mortal sin and what happens when when you commit a mortal sin that you it's not god god has never stopped loving god never stops loving you it's that you decide to turn away from god yeah and, and he, i think that, that he respects your decision and, yeah and i think that that so is how do you what what was it that you used how did you distinguish grave matter well, I think that intuitively we know as as humans things that are are really bad. I asked, I, so I, I gave a couple of different examples with Luke uh, of, of different levels of um, evil, if you will, and asked him like, "Do you think this is grave?" Or I, I said, "Do you think this is?" I think severe. I think is the word I used, just because I don't think he understands grave, and he does understand severe. So, which is weird because anyway. Uh, so, and I, I just asked him. I started. I gave him a couple different scenarios. I said like, "What about this? And what about this? What about this? What about this?" And I think intuitively, as in, uh, as humans, we know what's severe and what's not. And children's spirituality is not near as complex as ours because they don't have near the darkened intellect. They don't have near being able to rationalize themselves out of things. Right. It's it's much more cut and dry with them because they're pure and innocent. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, and you know, mortal sin, once again, is um, is relative, actually. It's relative to your, un- to your knowledge and understanding of the faith. Um, it's, grave matter is not relative. Grave matter is objective. But... You have to know that's what the second condition. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to know that what you're doing is grave matter. So there are things that will not be mortal sin for some people that are for other people because they have a, a greater knowledge of the faith. Mm-hmm. So that's what we, I mean, we, we just talk about it. And it's so far done. How did it go? I mean, think of it well. I I think that we as parents, at least this is my experience, I complicate things way more than what it should be. I think like, oh, he's not going to understand this. I don't give him near the benefit of the doubt that I, that I probably should. When it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to physical things, I think I I barricade him more than what he should be. Even like in chores. What like, do you mean you barricade him more? I don't think that he can do it. Right. So. Just the other day, uh, last week, I asked him. You know, I was thinking like, "Oh, these these leaves need to be raked." I you know I, I don't have time to do it. He needs to be he needs to have some chore this week. Oh, I'll go ask Luke. Uh, I'll, I'll go tell Luke. You need to go rake these leaves. And then I, he doesn't know how to do that. He's not going to be able to do it. And I thought, and then I said like, "No, he's you know seven years old. He can do this. Let so him figure it out." I, and I walked him out there and I showed him. Here's how you do it. Put him in the bag. You know, and he has. I, I still have him out there. Actually, it's kind of embarrassing, but uh, I still have like three or Luke? four, you know, three or four trash bags out there full of leaves. Well, I think you mean you still had Luke out there. No, no, no. no. So, but it's days uh, ago, man, we went on a retreat. But I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but I, I, I don't give him the benefit of the doubt because I think like, oh, he can't, he can't do this. Yeah. Uh, 
multiple steps of instructions, he can do. He can do just fine. Similarly, I think like, oh, well, he can't sit for an hour or kneel for an hour in adoration. You know, he's seven. Of course he can. He sure. absolutely can. He, he only weighs like 40 pounds. And you know how easy so it is to kneel when I you only weigh 40 pounds? This is something that I've struggled with just as a dad is thinking that he – and this is something I, I did not think I was going to struggle with. But I do sometimes is I, I put limitations on them, like self-made limitations on them that they don't need. Because you don't want to set them up for failure. Probably. But failure necessarily isn't a bad thing for them. Right. It's a, it's a good learning. It's a good uh, opportunity to learn. Right. And so – and pushing them. They need adversity. They need to be able to – uh, you know, be in the grind and and, and like right. work through yeah, things. I mean, and there's a difference between letting someone fail and then set it. You know, like pushing someone so that they always fail. Sure, and you that, know, yeah. there's a huge difference right. there, and that's not what we're talking about. Right, and so because you could push your kids so far that you keep pushing them until they fail. You know, and then you, all the all that they'll learn is that well, I always fail. Right, right. Yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not having him read any of this summa right now. However, he and I can go through some of the... Why not? Uh, because I put limitations Don't on Don't you want to figure out what it says? <laughs> exactly. You know what? That's a good <laughs> point. But we, we can sit down and, and, and read through the Baltimore Catechism and, or read through you know, some of the other things that we have from homeschool. Sure. And he comprehends it. Mm-hmm. I just don't give him that benefit of the doubt. So I think that... We need to push them. They need adversity. They need they need failure. They need to be able to fail right. so that way they can get back up and learn again. Luke, read this here. And what do you think in Thomas's mind is the material distinction between the first and second way? Right. Yeah. So anyway, that's. Uh, but I, you know, when reading to, reading this book, knowing the love of God, it is it is. I highly recommend it. It's been it's been a great book By thus far. The Grange, yeah. let's call him the Grange. The Grange, yeah, okay. yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. It's 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 really really good and sweet. So we need to be praying for men out there who don't take Dolce, who don't take sin seriously. Yeah, uh, who that's are lukewarm. True. I mean, and that's like one of the things Our Lady has asked of us over and over and over and over again. Pray for sinners. Pray for sinners. Pray for those who do not. Uh, do not love God. Right. And then uh, pray for the grace to overcome venial sin. Right. To be made aware of the venial sins and then to overcome any venial sins that you may have because the answer, the solution is to Jesus. overcoming v- venial sin. Well, yeah, I mean, Jesus is, of course, but uh, to be more to be uh, more proximate, if I may, uh, the answer is death. Yeah, mortification. That uh, death to in, sin. In order to come over well, death to yourself is what it is. I mean, venial sin, I think especially in men, resides largely in the appetites. It's not so much the intellect. Um, there are There is uh, pride, but pride is uh, dangerously... Pride is one of the seven deadly sins, right? So it's, it's hard to have sins of pride. It can happen uh, that are venial. I mean, um, pride very quickly becomes a mortal sin mm-hmm. um, because it takes so many evil forms, you know? Pride per se is is strange, um, but so often I think it's I think it's true that the vast majority of venial sins, and especially in the life of a man, are reside in the appetite. Um, you know, appetite not just for food, 
um, but appetite for uh, visual stimulation or for um, comfort. I mean, there we have appetites for all kinds of things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, disordered, uh, disordered appetites. Mm-hmm. I, that's what it is in my own life. I mean, I can tell you. So, in order to conquer those, it, we need to embrace death of some kind. There is a death. So. Uh, Mortification. Yeah, mortification. But um, it's not like, oh, if I fast, I will get over my vice of gluttony. That is not what's... It, it is not, it's not an equation, right? Yeah. So fasting, f- fasting is, a, is an avenue by which grace will be given to you in order to embrace the death to self, the denial of self... You, you do strengthen those muscles, but you still have to do it in the moment. You right. still have to choose, no, I have had enough. Um, I don't need more. I want more. I will not. I, I will deny myself more. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like, oh, fast, and then you'll stop being gluttonous. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I can eat all the cake I want today because I fasted yesterday, right? You know, like, it's not... No, in fact, uh, Lagrange even talks about this. He says it, they're almost inoperative because we have not strengthened them. So even though you, you fast or you, you go to confession and you're, you're, you're restored, some of these virtues are almost inoperative because, in us because they are very unfolding and, and undeveloped because we don't ever develop them. Right. So even though we have the opportunity to develop them, we haven't, and so... It's not a arrow in our quiver, if you will. I mean, it doesn't give us an opportunity to continue growing. Yeah. I just want you to know that death is what you are headed for. Um, and it's glorious. It's a good death. Let's just kill it there. Did you like that? Did you like that? I don't get it. Finding someone on an online Catholic dating site shouldn't be like shopping for a blender. So why do most dating sites leave you feeling like you're shopping for a spouse? At Catholic Singles, we connect members through our unique user polls and activities, which help you discover other members and their personalities and interests. Because you're a person, not a profile picture. So stop shopping and start discerning. Trust your love story to the original Catholic dating site and use the promo code BREADBOX at checkout for 20% off at CatholicSingles.com.